welcome back to Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast. I'm Danny, And I'm Clara. Today we will be discussing the ninth episode titled Never Have I Ever Had to Be on My Best Behavior, written by Matt Warburton and directed by Tristram Shapiro. And I just found out the other day that these two both worked on Community together, and Matt wrote <laughs> one of my favorite episodes of the whole series, where they are playing the 8-bit video game, trying to get back Pierce's inheritance. That's so funny. We we were doing a community rewatch at the beginning of the quarantine, and mm-hmm. we definitely made it through that episode. We kind of stopped somewhere in season six because season six. But... I <laughs> had actually never seen season six until I did my rewatch because, like, I just remember when it like switched over to like yeah, being yeah. on Yahoo. I was just like, "What?" And like, does I don't... that platform still exist? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it was definitely a fail. Oh, all right. Well, we should get into the episode. But of course, before we do, we'll let uh, Kamala and Prashant tell us a little bit about what this one's about. I was seeing someone and he did kind of just break into the house. Was it the guy who was climbing the tree outside when I arrived? I thought he was the landscaper. Yes, that was Steve. So this was all a waste of time? Wow, I feel like I'm being pranked. No, no, I would never prank you. I hate pranks. I don't understand why America has a national holiday to celebrate them. I agree. April Fool's is way scarier than Halloween. Look, Prashant, I am so sorry this happened. But I promise you, I am not with Steve anymore. But also, I don't think I'm ready to get engaged today. (laughs) Well, that is very clear. But that doesn't mean that I won't ever be. This all just feels so strange at the moment. I know. It's weird for me, too. To be honest, I'm actually relieved you aren't some goody two-shoes who does everything you're told. It makes you more interesting. You think so? Definitely. So, Clara, what did you think of this episode? So, I I actually really like this episode. I think you have, like, (laughs) I've been trying to talk about this episode for ages. And I think part of why I like it is just because... I think the dynamic between Kamala and Steve versus Kamala and Prashant, like you start to see that there's another way of looking at it than the way that she's been looking at it and the way Mm -hmm. that like maybe some of her Western friends have been looking at it. Um, I think she sort of saw arranged marriage as someone she was automatically not going to have anything in common with. But there is this sort of whole thing around her family's tried to find somebody who she actually does have a lot in common with and has real shared interests with. Also, Steve is a creeper in this episode, and I feel like that's just something that like we've been talking about and I've been setting up for a while, and so in some ways I think I like it because I get to talk about that now. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, if I had like had to choose the least favorite episode of the season, it would probably actually be this episode. I feel like it's the closest to a filler episode that this show has. Like, it isn't actually one, but it's the closest no. to one. And I think it also comes from not being able to relate to it all that much. I still love this episode, of course, and there are some parts that really move me. Like, the revelation of what went down between Davy and Nalini the night Mohan died yes. was a lot to take in. I also feel like I see it so much differently after having seen this episode God knows how many times at this point. <laughs> this is also a huge shipping point for Kamala, who finally meets the man her family has arranged for her to potentially marry, Prashant. We'll get into all of those things, but I do want to re- reiterate that although I said it's probably my least favorite episode of the season, I still really loved it a lot. Yeah, I think this first season at least doesn't doesn't really have filler episodes. It's so tightly written. Some of that is format in that like it's a it's a it's not an episodic show, it's a story-driven show, single arc, but they're 30-minute episodes. So, right, like you have there's just so much more. It's easier to make it really tight. Yeah. Um in an arc like that. And it's only 10 episode season, right? Like it just it's very coherent. It, the way that it's structured and the way that it's written is to not have filler. I can sort of see what you're saying, but I really like, I don't know, the more drama we get, the more I like the episodes. And there's definitely drama here for all the reasons that you mentioned. <laughs> there's a lot of drama. And I think those those moments are my favorite parts of the episode. So shall we uh, kick that drama into high gear? Yeah. Uh, so the first thing I want to mention is the flashbacks and their significance to Davy and, and her mother, Nalini. For one, like, 
I feel like there's just so much more going on in the flashbacks that they show mm. throughout the episode. Davy screaming at her mom and her mom screaming back. I feel like it had to have been more than just Davy losing her sheet music because they both seem so much more upset than it being just that. I'm curious yeah. if Mohan and Nalini had been in a fight and Davy overheard it or if Nalini was upset about, I don't know, like just the way that she talks to her. I was thinking maybe she's upset that maybe she like lost another baby or um, found out that she can't have any more children, which would make losing Mohan even harder for her. And I just feel like there's hmm. so much more there and I'm not sure what. But there's like a scene where she's so upset and she says, I will not calm down if this child insists on being such a headache to me. She screams and it feels like really loaded. I think there's a couple things. So I think Mohan took to America way more than Nalini ever did. Right. Like, I think it was his dream. And, you know, like he got into the motorcycle and being in California, he fell in love with the house that they got. Like, it, it does seem like it was very driven by him. And Nalini loved him and she wanted to raise a family and she loved her family. I think she's always been fine in America, but I, I think that she has much stronger ties to the culture and the cultural expectations back in India. And I think that she sort of wants to pass those on to Devi. Maybe it's a little more important to her than it is to Mohan. I sort of talked about this before, and I don't think it's unrelated, but I think that there's a way in which, like, we've seen Mohan almost entirely through Devi's perspective. And one of the things we see in just the little conversation about the sheet music between Mohan and Nalini is they don't agree on how they should treat Davy around this issue. And so I suspect there's kind of a bit of a traditional gender role dynamic here of the like mom having to be the hard ass and dad getting to be the one that like gets all the unconditional love. And that's hard, right? Like that's a hard sexist dynamic and it's, replicated in lots and lots of families and I think that just like it creates a certain kind of tension because as the mom I think Nalini like I don't think she maybe feels fully supported so you were talking about a fight I don't know that I would say fight but I can imagine being Nalini in that situation and feeling unsupported by Mohan and that creating tension but it does seem like the anger because like when it starts it seems like like, they were already upset. So, uh, like, I just yeah. feel like there's more there. Like, I think it comes from the same place, though. I mean, I think, like, Nalini is more of a hard-ass, and her expectations for Davy are different. And I think Mohan's just like, you know, let it go. Like, let go of your expectations. She's just a kid. And so I think that's probably a running tension in their marriage and in their parenting. I also thought about potentially it could have been since, you know, there is the revelation that uh, Nalini wants to move back to India. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if maybe she was trying to have that conversation and that's what made everybody upset. Well, and I definitely think it's related, right? Like I said, I think some of her expectations come from cultural expectations of the way that children and their parents interact. One thing that I sometimes do in fights when I am not fully like aware that I'm fighting about something else is I'll just like really dig in on an issue because it's sort of tangentially related. And I'm like, rather than dealing with the like big important thing, I'm dealing with that tiny part of it. And so cultural expectations, India versus America could totally be something that's like in the background that leads to her being harder on Davy for something that seems like a relatively small infraction. It does also seem like as much as Davy would probably hate to say it, like she is her mother's daughter. Like they are so similar in so many ways. They're both very like headstrong and stubborn, um, which obviously can create a huge clash. Like I had that clash with my grandma. Like I love her to death, but like living with her was like the worst because we were just so at odds with each other and unwilling to back down. Well, and especially when it's a, a parent-child relationship and probably, too, in a grandparent-grandchild relationship, right? Like, I think there's a desire on the part of the sort of older generation 
to protect their kids from the mistakes they made. <laughs> so if they feel like, oh, I've always been super stubborn and headstrong and it's gotten to, gotten me into so much trouble, like I could have had a much easier life if I wasn't, you can totally see them just like being more of a jerk about that particular point where they're the same. Yeah. And it's, it's like people think that Nalini is really cruel. Like she's not a popular character as, hmm. as far as like fandom things go. Like, because of how, I guess, mean she can be to her daughter. And I don't know, like, I, I think that's pretty stereotypical for people of color families. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so, like, I know, like, a lot of people don't understand that either. Well, immigrant families, for sure, right? Like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. My parents aren't immigrants, but my... um my grandparents were second-generation immigrants, and uh, you just sort of see that dynamic. Like, the further you go back in the generations of my family, you see more and more of that dynamic. Yeah. I think it's very fear-driven. Like, you know, we have to survive. We're the outsiders. We have to fit in and conform to expectations and, like, be the best. You know, got to be twice as good to get half as far. Yeah. And, like, the last, like, there's a couple other things I want to talk about between the two of them. Obviously, you know, there's, like, the very end of the episode where Davey's basically just like, I wish you were the one that died that night. Brutal. That whole thing was hard to watch because, like, I feel like Nalini was actually really opening up to Davey in that moment. And mm -hmm. Davey's just seeing the negative memory over and over yeah. and over again. Um, so I feel really bad for them both. Obviously, like, neither of them mean these, like, really awful things that they say to each other when they're hurt. No, and you can see it on their faces, like, two seconds later. <laughs> yeah, and that's another thing they have in common, like, get the angry thing out first and then hope you can take it back later. But they don't, right? Like, neither of them apologizes. No, ever. they don't. No, they never do. Uh, I mean, Can't I think Davies maybe done it, like, once or twice, but, like, overall, if you look back to the whole... Paxton situation how she lied she never actually apologizes to him mm -hmm. he just kind of forgives her Davey you got some growing up to do <laughs> she thanks him for not telling anybody but she never actually apologizes for her behavior yeah and then like you can tell though it's like it's such a breaking point for them because like Nalini's not even really mad at Davey she's just like sad like I think she's really sad at like where their relationship has gone and yeah and not knowing how to get it back to a good place. Yeah, and, like, she obviously really loves her daughter and cares about her a lot. Because, like, there's a couple of moments in this episode and others, like, just the sheer thought of Davy potentially losing the use of her legs again terrifies Nalini. Mm -hmm. Like, she, like, starts pinching yeah. her um, to make sure, you know, she's okay. And they do have some, like, lovely, like, kind of exchanges in this episode to like kind of have this like vibe back and forth like just that mother-daughter dynamic uh they have very similar sense of humor there's moments where Davy says something so out of line that I swear like Nalini would like get mad but she doesn't like they have like a very similar sense of humor they do well I think we've probably <laughs> I, I think we've probably covered most of this do you want to tackle something else in the episode Let's talk about her uncle for for one, oh Aberrand. I wanted to point out that he plays Abed's dad and cracked Does up. he? Yeah, that's Abed's dad. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I think he's also the principal in Glee, if I remember correctly. Oh man. There's a lot of shows I need to watch again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I could do a Glee rewatch. <laughs> has it been long enough is it ever long enough i'm just kidding <laughs> it's an okay show <laughs> yeah he's a really funny character i enjoy what he brings to the family dynamic i kept getting this weird sense that like he might be gay they make a lot of kind of huh. funny jokes like davy points out at the beginning that he's never been in a relationship because she was kind of, like, digging at him, like, you can't give relationship advice, like, you've never been married. And then he says some, like, stupid joke about how, like, committed he is to, like, his work, the, like, security business. 
And then he also makes Prashant very uncomfortable, like, multiple times throughout the episode. So I was just, like, got vibes that maybe he's, like, the gay uncle, which... Maybe. Or he just likes to be alone. Like, I mean, it could be either one, but I thought it was kind of funny. He's also just, like, he's such a scene stealer. He's <laughs> he really so is. funny. Like, he... I, I, I don't even know. Like, he just, like, calls them out so many times. Well, and we were talking about this a little bit last week with Ben on, but, like, guest, guest stars are always fucking ringers. They're always so good, especially in a comedy. They're just, like, of course they steal the scene. Yeah, I mean, like, that's a very reason I think it's a, a category in, like, award shows is for guest stars. You can actually get, like, an Emmy or a Golden Globe for being a guest star if you're good enough. Yeah. And I think, like, a lot of, like, he's definitely a great character actor. He is. I don't think I have too much else to say about him. I did just want to touch on that. <laughs> Let's move on to Kamala. Yes. I feel like she's so, she just kind of comes out of her shell a lot more in this episode. Yeah. You really get to know her more in it than, like, I feel like you've had the chance to in earlier episodes. I feel like one of the things that I really love about um, Kamala meeting Prashant is that because she's had all of these expectations that it's going to be horrible, when it's not, it's kind of like the weight of it all lifts off of her, right? Like all of this fear and anxiety and just like distress in general that she's had over the possibility of having to marry a total stranger, you just see it like melt away and I think that's part of what allows us to get a better sense of who she is, like whether or not she ends up with Prashant, which to be honest, like I could totally see her not ending up with any of them and like, I don't know, getting her PhD and, you know, I think just seeing that it doesn't have to be like a death sentence. It doesn't have to mean she gives up the things that she cares about. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple moments between her and Nalini too or she's just like you know like I was your age once like you don't have to marry this guy like it's just mm -hmm. an option like she's basically saying like we will support your decision and it's very much seems to be like that especially now when it comes to arranged marriage especially like within Indian culture uh, I watched that Indian matchmaker show it's pretty funny hmm. but all the families are very supportive and it's very much like your choice and they do try really hard to get you someone who it would be a match for you. Like that's something that really matters to them. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've heard that there's, there's a lot more support for love matches too. Yeah. Um, and I think probably some kind of like combination stuff in there, right? Like I think that's sort of what's going on in Kamala's case is that like her family is trying to find somebody who could potentially be a love match that is also arranged. It's like a compromise between tradition and modernity. I don't know. Is that the right word? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's evolved a lot. It's not the same anymore. I mean, I, it might be the same still for other like cultures, but it's, it's definitely evolved. And I think that's something that maybe she didn't realize until until then, how much option she actually does have. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Steve before we get into Prashant. Steve. <laughs> okay, so does everybody see what I've been ranting about for the past, like, however many episodes? Does everyone get now that Steve is fucking creeper? He is a creep. But he's also just seems like he might be fucking stupid. I like I can't really tell. <laughs> Isn't he like in her PhD program or something? <laughs> mm -mm, he's like a coach at Caltech or something. Oh, OK. He's sporty spice. He might actually go there, but he's definitely not like in the same field as her in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Like, I mean, like there's some things like I do like Steve. I don't think I dislike him as much as you do. My distaste for him has grown just talking about him more. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, he just says stuff that is just dumb. Like and I just feel like he really needs to take a step back. Like I really hated how he compared arranged marriage to uh sexual slavery. That was oh my a God. huge line that I was just it's like really super inappropriate in like 12 different ways. Oh yeah. He's just 
creepy. He's not like over the top creepy. Well, you made this comment before we got on the air that him in this episode, it kind of reminds you of um, the TV show You, which um, it's Sarah Gamble and Greg Berlanti's TV show. It's an adaptation of a book series. And the sort of premise of it is there is this guy who is a serial killer of women, like serial stalker and killer of women who like basically just like grows up marinating in all of these romantic comedies, which like, if you actually take them seriously, like so many of romantic comedies, the big grand gesture, right? Like they involve what is essentially stalking. They involve a guy who like, won't take no for an answer, keeps going after a woman. And it's painted as this like big romantic thing. So that's like the thing that you is like, that's the trope that you is flipping on its head and I thought that was a really insightful comment. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's it's like it's one of those things that's like not that deep, but it reminded me just slightly of that show and and just that romantic comedy stereotype. And it's something that Kamala just doesn't like, which is what I really liked about it. She was yes. just like, no, like this isn't okay, and she broke up with him. And I like that because and that's what it reminded me of in more of like it's showing you that it is not a good behavior to have. And he just is like super paternalistic with her. And Mm -hmm. I think some of that is just like him being American and like having generic uh, American entitlement. Like Mm -hmm. we're the best, whatever. I don't know. We're not. (laughs) But like I do think that. Like, I really like that she recognizes it. And I really, I just love the way that it's set up so that, like, you think or she feels going into this, like, arranged marriage type thing that, like, that is the paternalistic situation in her life. That, like, that's the thing where she, like, a choice is being made for her and she doesn't get a say and it's a big decision. And then you get to this episode and that gets completely flipped sideways. I just, I really like that. And I feel like it was a really, a thoughtful way to broach the topic of arranged marriage and of this sort of like bicultural experience around relationships and those types of expectations with a American white audience. Because I feel like so many times when we see arranged marriage pictured, we see it the same way that like Steve sees it. Yeah, I I think so. And I think it's, it's, it definitely illustrates that. I do think he realizes, though, like, in in his final moments that, like, he was wrong and that, like, his yeah. behavior wasn't okay because he's kind of just like, like, did I just talk you into breaking up with me? And she's like, I'm sorry, but I think you did. And I feel like there is a potential for him to come back. He just really needs to change his ideas and just not put her on this ridiculously high pedestal, which obviously yes. he has put her on. Yeah, and I would honestly like to see that. Like, I would like to see... (laughs) I feel like I'm the only person who feels like Steve needs a redemption arc, but that's sort of what I want to see, is a Steve redemption arc. That would be lovely. (laughs) Like, I mean, give someone another chance to grow and Uh actually have them grow. I genuinely feel like I didn't hate him before we started talking about him in so much detail, and now I'm like, ugh, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Also, Prashant is hot. Prashant is hot. But so so is Steve. Steve's yeah, good looking. Prashant's hotter. Oof. He's he's pretty good looking, but sincere apologies if we ever have either of those actors on the show. <laughs> I feel similarly like dissing disliking a character after talking about them so much. That's that's how I felt about Jonah. The more I talked about Jonah and the more I really oh, paid yeah. attention to his character that I did not like him. No offense to... It's so funny, because I feel like it normally has the opposite effect. Like, normally, the more I, like, look deeply at something, and the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, here are the redeeming elements. But, yeah, I agree with you. Steven Jonah. (laughs) Anyway, shall we talk about Prashant the Hottie? Yes. Uh, For one, is is really funny that Davey's just like, whoa, he is hot. (laughs) immediately and just like the entire family is kind of like checking him out and I just, as he's at the door i love how inappropriate davy is <laughs> all the time me too and like 
he throughout the episode he laughs at her constantly like he he does he gets he appreciates her yeah he appreciates her and her humor um so i do like that like if he were to become more of like a part of the family and and kamala actually is with him i think that she i feel like he could really help kamala and davy's relationship become better I just had this revelation that the uh, Kamala, Steve, Prashant love triangle is totally um, the same love triangle in Jane the Virgin. Mm, no. Mm-hmm. This is no. why you like Steve more than I do. No. Because <laughs> you're a Michael person. <laughs> Steve is nothing like Michael. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I, I don't even want to get into how much <laughs> yeah. I fucking hate <sighs> the outcome of that love triangle. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, okay, I'll stop trolling you now. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> that that whole entire dynamic just is like, oh, blood family is more important. Just saying. <laughs> yes, Prashant. He's. He's great. Like, I mean, we don't really get to see that much of him. He's this is the only episode that he's in, but he's delightful. I also love how like graceful he is about the whole situation with Steve and like the conversation that they have afterward that he and uh, Kamala have afterward. This is what I love about this episode and what I love about like their potential relationship and what I love about like, like this is everything I was saying before about like how I think uh, Kamala, like the weight of expectations lifts, right. He's just fucking real with her. And I think, yeah, like the more I think about this, the more I think like that was her central fear was that in order to fit into this, like, arranged marriage, uh, traditional narrative that she felt like she wasn't going to get to be herself. And, he just does every like every single thing he does is like no let's be fucking real yeah and and that's the clip that we have is them is them talking it Mm -hmm. out like he's very understanding of of the steve situation when he doesn't really have to be um he's incredibly kind to her and they're both very genuine and with each other in that moment and you can tell that they just like have a lot in common and they both don't want to rush something. Yeah. And then they also both are are like weirded out about like why would she want to be like his mom? <laughs> that that was a really funny joke there, but it is <laughs> I feel like some people would think that's weird. <laughs> I just love his like cause he's he's similar to her, like you can tell like he, I think he also came to America for education purposes mm-hmm. as well, and and they're both engineers. They're both just so excited by things. Like, I love when he was just like, there's so many different flavors of ice cream. <laughs> yes, and I think that, like, that's the thing that is most delightful about Kamala is just how, like, excited and, like, almost naively optimistic she is about everything. Like, I'm thinking back to um, to episode six, the Ben episode, um, where uh, he comes over and she, like, drops the, the... She drops the pot and is like, I thought that would be louder for longer. <laughs> right? Like, I just feel like that optimism and just, like, trying to... That sweetness... Um, is so much at the core of her personality. And it's nice to see someone else who not just appreciates that, but like has a little of it too. She kind of reminds me of uh, that, that Disney, Disney princess movie, the like, uh, the one with Amy Adams where she's kind of like, oh yeah, comes to life. And it's like in New York and she's just yes. so like fish out of water about everything. And yes. so sweet and genuine, like very similar. And also Kamala could, easily be a disney princess yes oh my god she a hundred percent could be (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they're just like they really vibe with each other um and i i really dig that and i like would love to see more of that and i and also another thing about kamala i did realize that i feel like she seemed actually really upset at the concept of 
Davy and her mom moving back to India. Yeah. It was kind of just like this look on her face, like, you're just going to, like, leave me here? It's her family. Like, in some ways, I think she became closer to the two of them than she probably is to her family, who she left back in India. Yeah, because it seems like from offhanded comments that she has that they don't really quite understand, like, her her drive and, and want for education, whereas, like, that is something that Nalini does understand. Well, and... um. I talked to this woman for my radio show, this Palestinian-American woman, who talked about, like, what she said was uh, being a member of a, di- of a diaspora can feel like um, belonging to nothing at all. And I, I think that that is something that um, outside of Nalini and Davy, Kamala feels pretty keenly. Like, I think she feels like she doesn't fit in in the world that she came from in India, she doesn't fit in fully in America. And so it's really just like this other family that has moved, that has this, these sort of ties to both worlds that makes her feel at home. Yeah. Welcome to Slayerfest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford. Slayerfest 98 is a Latinx-run, queer-centered pop culture podcast. We discuss every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in order, but we also talk X-Men, the MCU, and everything else nerdy and or gay. And sometimes I'm joined by... Hi, I'm James Marsters. Trixie Mattel. Anthony Oliveira, hello. Ming-Na Wen. Emily Niskam. Summer Bischel. Charisma Carpenter! Kirsten White. Hi, Amber Benson. Latoya Ferguson. It's Claire Kramer. Adam Sass. Jane Espenson, hi. Hi, this is Stacey Abrams. We can be found on Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are found. You can support us on Patreon to get access to our private Facebook group, patron-exclusive episodes, and more. We can be found on all social platforms at SlayerFestX98. Make sure to say hi. Any and all support is much appreciated. Well, let's move on to Datsun. It's not a very big thing in this episode. He's in one scene. He just gets Davy in trouble. He just gets <laughs> Davy in trouble. Exactly. I didn't have too many notes on it. Um, I just think that, like, I kind of feel bad for him. <laughs> he didn't know what he was getting into. Yeah, like, I just feel like he's getting all of this, like, misplaced anger that Nalini has at, like, her daughter. And he's just <laughs> taking the force of it. And, like, I don't blame him for just walking away. Obviously, as you can tell, like, in the next episode, he he doesn't quite forgive her right away. And, like, <laughs> I get it, but he does take it a little too far in my opinion but there's nothing wrong with wanting to cut negativity out of your life there isn't i just also feel like i don't know i (laughs) i feel like he could be more understanding or at least fucking try to be understanding yeah and that's the thing he never gives her a platform to talk to him and like that's what my underlying issue is with Paxton mm-hmm. is that he needs to let people in like he mm-hmm. just decides so matter of factly that he does not want this person in his life and just cuts ties but he doesn't really give anyone this opportunity to really like open up to him the INFJ door slam <laughs> I don't know if I would say he's an INFJ, but... I also don't think I would. Maybe he's like a... He would be hard to place. He's kind of like in the middle of being an introvert and extrovert. Maybe that should be our final topic next week or like sometime next season. <laughs> we, we should definitely get into that at some point. Um, yeah. I'd have to think about it a lot harder because that stuff requires a lot of thinking. Yeah. So I think we've probably said everything there is to say about... Daxton for this episode since it's like three lines yeah (laughs) we'll definitely get into it more obviously next week but I do think like he just needs to be a little bit more open and less Taurus stubborn that he is (laughs) so uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about in the episode was just kind of more like it's Davy's trauma, and, like, we didn't really get to talk about it 
in the last episode because we were running so long. So I just kind of wanted to get into that, like, trauma and, and like, therapy stuff that we didn't talk about last week. Yeah, so where did you want to start? Well, the episode, the, the episode before this ends with Davy seeing her uncle, but it, she thinks it's her dad. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like after all of the events of that episode happened, um, I just feel like it really hits home some of the stuff that that Dr. Ryan has been trying to tell Davy. Mm-hmm. Like it really hits home that like she's not over her dad's death. Obviously, she wouldn't be over it, but she's not grieving. Very she hasn't well. processed it. Yeah, like at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really hits home about Paxton I feel like specifically like she's unintentionally using Paxton as like a distraction yeah yeah to get over that and not think about it and I think her friends calling her out in the last episode helped that a lot too right like Mm -hmm. Fab getting really pissed at her um and kind of I mean I don't know. I She doesn't get like super, super explicit about all of it, but she definitely does make a bit of that connection with Paxton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that combined with like Dr. Ryan therapy breaking up with her, right? Like she's seeing the way that not dealing with this is creating a destructive pattern in all of her relationships. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't think the the Dr. Ryan breakup will be like permanent i'm i'm no. sure she'll go back to seeing her but the uh, the scene in dr ryan's office like really got me because davy really kind of like she loves to manipulate people like yeah. a few episodes ago when paxton tells her she's using him and and she's like well you're overreacting and and then here she gets defensive with dr ryan and says that she should get a different therapist even though you can tell she doesn't mean it like she just wants dr ryan and paxton to like change her mind or be nicer to her praise her like that's like what she's Not looking for hold her accountable for yeah. her bullshit she she thinks that eliciting like such a negative response will get her a positive response which obviously it doesn't work <laughs> that way and like some people you know they do that they, they emotional manipulation it's not something they even think that they're doing mm-hmm. but they do it's just like that guilt trip like i'm gonna guilt trip you into being nicer yeah and i mean to an extent i think she gets that from her relationship with her mom right like nalini isn't doing it the same way or for the same purpose but right like i, I do think that Nalini can be manipulative with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's sort of a learned behavior without Mohan there to sort of balance it out. I think um, not only does it mean like she's absorbing more of that, but I also think that like she doesn't feel like she's getting support from other sources that would like give her the confidence to stand up to her mom or to like, if not stand up to her, just not be manipulated by it. Really. It's a double-edged sword because I feel like her dad also instilled this behavior in her of like babying her. So yeah, I'm assuming not taking that accountability. It, I'm assuming it comes a little bit from that, like not taking accountability. Um, yeah. I'm sure obviously he probably believes in saying sorry. So it probably got warped somewhere along the way, but um, just that dynamic of how different their parenting styles are, I feel like really reflects in, in Davy. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're probably right about that. I think you're probably right that like, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty toxic combination if you think about it. <laughs> it really is. And, and Davy has some very toxic tendencies. Like it's you definitely think? like her being a dick is such a defense mechanism. Like she doesn't want to be pitied, but at the same time she wants to make people feel bad for her. She wants to make people do things for her. I was did I say this last time? I was thinking about how like she is willing to use her dad's death to get things she wants in her social relationships, but like she blew up at the like douchey college counselor for suggesting that she use it to get into college. And you didn't talk about that, but that that's like a good point. Like I do think she she just Like, I do think it's something that she needs to come to terms with. And I do think, like, eventually she should use that in in her college essay because that is that is so much of, like, 
an important thing for her to be able to to, to deal with and and still get through school. So it's like authentically her life, <laughs> even though he framed it in this gross way, right? Like it is also just the big the big defining feature of her high school experience is that her dad died in front of her while she was performing in a concert. Like I can't really imagine her being able to write authentically about anything else. I do also think that's like why she's so reckless and like out there is to kind of make people not think about yeah, the thing yeah. she was known for before, like that she doesn't Paxton didn't even know who she was until she's like, oh, I'm like the girl who like lost her use of her legs. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah. And it's like, so I feel like she's just very bombastic to like get people to just not think of her in in those lights anymore. I just had a really funny thought. That's like, what if the series finale is her writing her college essay? I feel like it would be more of like a they graduate and they've already gotten into college would be a more of a series finale, but no, but like thinking about her emotional journey, right? Like if we're thinking about that as sort I mean, of it could be like a her flashback to her doing it. You are wrong, and I'm right. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. No, <laughs> you can't have a fucking like high school rom com and not have them graduate, and they would have already have gotten into college. Whatever, but like, you, I, I'm still not convinced that it's really a rom com. Like deep in its heart, Team mm-hmm. Debbie. I but. think it is. <laughs> All right, I'm All sorry, right. but I've literally watched everything that Mindy <laughs> Kaling has written, and there's no way that it's not going to be a rom com. I think it'll be fun if you eat your words later. I don't have very many fashion notes, though, because it's, it's, not a lot of re- it's just mostly like all in in uh, in Davy's house. It's very much it's kind a, of a bottle, bottle episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the flashbacks are are basically either footage that they've already used or like in her house. So I do love Nalini's flashback outfit and like the way that her hair looks in it. Like she's mm-hmm. it's not a way that she wears her hair at any other time during the series could obviously be used to just establish like this is past Nalini and I kind of think of it um like a lot has been written about Kim Novak's hair and vertigo uh which is like kind of a weird reference but basically like she she has this very tight bun and she's this very tightly controlled character and uh, there's a point at which when things fall apart, like her hair comes down, you know, very transparent metaphor, especially by today's standards. But I do feel like there's some showing Nalini in a state where she didn't feel like she had to control everything quite as much because she hadn't lost it so much. Yeah. I also have that. I liked Mohan's outfit in the flashback. I mean, but he always dresses really nice. Um, Prashant's like, outfit actually reminded me a lot of something Mohan would wear like I'm curious if like maybe Mm -hmm. he like is very similar to what Mohan was like at that age I could totally see that though I do think Mohan's a little bit more of a daredevil than probably Prashant is yeah I think he's a little bit more extroverted for sure and then of course Kamala looks just fucking gorgeous red like looks so good on her though like I and I love her hair so much like I think Throughout the entire season, like, her hair has always been, like, my favorite. I am that neighbor on the bike in the first episode. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how anyone can, like, not have a wild crush on her. (laughs) I'd be more like probably Oliver filming the TikTok and he's just like... (laughs) (laughs) That would be you. (laughs) Wait. <laughs> yeah, there's not a whole lot of outfits in the episode. I, I remember thinking, you know, Alini looks nice. Um, Paxton always looks nice. Like, I like the way he dresses as a guy. I don't really like Davy's outfit that she wears for like most of the episode. Like, that color of green just doesn't really look that great on her. You never like what she wears. That's not true. I give her compliments all the time. <laughs> She just usually is always wearing, like, one piece that I don't quite like. But, like, I don't, I really don't like the, that color on her. I yeah. think that's mostly what it is. So that's it for fashion. Yeah, I don't have anything to add because 
yeah, there's just not that many outfits in this episode. But I, other than just to reiterate how fucking gorgeous Kamala is, red's a great color. All those like red, orange, yellows on her just look amazing. And teal. Yeah, honestly, is there any color that doesn't look good on her? Is there anything that doesn't look good on her? She could wear a burlap sack and she'd be gorgeous. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Let's get into our one-liners. Mm-hmm. The first one that I have is, what if Prashant came here tomorrow and found everyone chopped up into little pieces by a murderer? That would leave them with a very bad impression of our family. Oh Aberin says that, and it cracked me up because I was just like, but there would be no family. I feel like that's like, you know, if somebody like says something really intense and personal about like something hard that they went through and like the first comment on Facebook is like their T-H-E-I-R instead of their T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E. <laughs> that's the kind of comment that is. It would leave a very bad impression of the family <laughs> <laughs> being dead and chopped up into pieces by a murderer. <laughs> The next one I have is also from Averin. It's like, you can't go for a run at night. This is the city of Charles Manson and Jaime Weinstein. It's like, it just takes everything like to that like level. He's like, just a touch too far. Also, though, like, does he think Harvey Weinstein is like hanging out on street corners in the valley? Maybe. Like, I, I think he more like is saying like. This is, like, where all the, like, really bad shit has happened. So not that necessarily these two people would be involved. Obviously, Charles Manson cannot be involved. He is dead and was in prison for a very long time. (laughs) Uh, The next one I have is I reported her and she's been punished accordingly. And that's Melania referring to the lady who watered her lawn during the drought. Oh, no. (laughs) See, Nalini, I feel like I could... uh, Nalini is, I'm pretty sure, an ISTJ. Because she's, like, very traditional and very rule-abiding and, like, wants other people to be rule-abiding. Sorry, we don't have to get into this now. I'm just like, that one came to me in that moment. (laughs) The next one I have is Davy. She says, we want Prashant to fall in love with Kamala and not me, right? And... (laughs) The way Maitri delivers the line that just makes it so funny is as she's delivering perfectly, she's also rocking some like mad bedhead. Like obviously she's still gorgeous and I'm sure most girls would look at themselves though and think otherwise in that moment. So it just everything about that is so <laughs> funny. Um, the next one I have is from Kamala. Great. Thank you for relieving the pressure, Auntie. I love her. She is like Kamala is honestly a masterclass in sarcasm, and it's not appreciated enough. Like she just always has these like little like one liners that no one pays attention to. Like everyone just ignores what she says, but like it's just I these like little it. digs. <laughs> I think she's hilarious. I I think you're right. I think she's an underrated character. Tbh, she definitely is. And then Davy, of course, uh, when she says, I'm sorry I called you hot. It's just that we were expecting an uggo. And then he replies with, thank you for not thinking I'm an uggo. I feel like that was me. Like, Davy's comment was me 20 minutes ago. And I was, like, apologizing if we ever have those actors on for calling them hot. <laughs> I don't think they would ask for an apology for that. but Just for the record, I wasn't expecting any uggos. the next one is from kamala my favorite part is that traffic is separated into two directions it's adorable i love her oh she's so great (laughs) and then davy when she's like cousin manju is also a 28 year old virgin so i'm good and that's when prashant cracks up at her and like her her uncle is just so appalled that she would say anything like that. And, and that's the moment where Nalini like actually like laughs and thinks like something that like, I feel like normally you would be like, that's something you shouldn't say to like a stranger, but she thought it was funny. And then when Nalini says, I know there are some real hunks on the Caltech campus. 
I've watched Bing Bane Theory, which just no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and then when Avern says, we should set her up with your little brother, your brother Aaron, not the one who works at Massage Envy. Uh, why not the one who works at Massage Envy? Because it's Come a massages all the time. working at Massage Envy. Uh, look, if there's one thing quarantine has taught me, it's that I should have married a masseuse. Oh, God. I miss massages. So much. When we get out of this, I don't know if it's even, like, a thing, but I'm going to find a way to get a four-hour-long massage. <laughs> I don't think it's a thing. I think the longest you can do is two hours, but... Then I will book two two-hour ones back-to-back -back with different masseuses. <laughs> You could always just go to another location. Like, if they're, like, saying you can't do it there, just be like, I'm yep. going to go. Danny, you, me, we're going to go on a massage crawl. <laughs> massage crawl. <laughs> the next one I have is, is it the guy who was climbing the tree when I arrived? I thought it was the landscaper. That was See, this is the fucking line that convinces me that Prashant is perfect for... Kamala because like that is so totally a thing she would say and the last one that I have is a line that was in in our clip but it's April Fool's is way scarier than Halloween when Prashant says that I was like yes like it yep. just cracked me up I hate April Fool's but it's some bullshit but I'm not, I'm not a big I'm not like against pranks I do think they're funny and can appreciate them, but I do not like April Fools. It just becomes cruel at points. Although I did prank my mom pretty hard once. So MVP <laughs> for mine. I said everyone was amazing in this episode, honestly. But I definitely want to shout out the actors who play Avrin and Prashant for honestly killing it as one episode guest stars. Avrin especially was a scene stealer. He's so funny. Prashant is delightful. Like, that's just, like, the best word to use to describe Prashant. Mm -hmm. He's just delightful. Also, Mindy and Lang truly just, like, outdid themselves with such an attractive cast. And it just <laughs> makes me so happy. Thanks for casting hotties! Woo! No uggos! Um... <laughs> <laughs> it just made me so happy though like how much they have highlighted asian men and women mm -hmm. because like i've said in the past like they're so rarely seen as leading romantic interests and it's high time that they are but that's beside the point so my mvp is actually going to be shared by my and porna for sure they mm -hmm. like just unleashed so much collective trauma in one episode and they just slayed it they absolutely do slay it i just also want to like call out uh rishi is that her name yeah rishi. um who who plays kamala because as we were talking about like i think that character is really underrated and i actually don't think that i've given her an mvp all this season which is criminal given what a scene stealer i feel like she is so i'm gonna have it shared by the three uh women of that family smart yeah, I, uh, we've never given it to her, um, and I feel like it obviously kind of like has more to do with the fact that she isn't in as many scenes, but she is great, and we love her. Yeah, and she is in this one a lot, so I feel like this is the right one to give it to her for. My final topic, I just wanted to go for something light. Uh, let's just talk to each other about uh, maybe like what we've been binging and watching lately. Give some good uh, sure. recommendations to people do you want me to go first or do you want to go yeah, first yeah you can go first uh we've been watching doom patrol so we just finished the first season last night um that's been kind of fun uh we did a community rewatch earlier in quarantine i think i mentioned that um i started watching avatar the last airbender i've only seen like three or four episodes but um look Look, <laughs> I'm getting there. Give me time. I don't know how you actually I was talking to Spooky about this earlier today. It was like, we don't understand how you are able to watch the amount of TV that you do or how her partner is able to watch the amount of TV that they do. Like, you, you do so jobs. many things. 
So does so does her partner. Oh well, I don't. So <laughs> okay, but I but honestly, I think you watched just as much TV when you did have a job. No, definitely not. I was I think always you have a time behind turner. on shit. I think I you have a time turner. Always behind on shit. Now I'm just like, what can I watch? <laughs> yeah. I've so, watched so much more stuff. Like, there's no way that I would have been able to get through. I've done like three or four rewatches during this quarantine of like eight season long <sighs> TV shows. So no, I definitely have not. Okay, you know what you have time for before. now? Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh. but anyway, so I'm working on that, and then uh, just finished uh, Umbrella Academy season two. That was kind of sleep deprived for the last few episodes. So I've been trying to watch those again. Um, I think those are like the the big hits. Baseball is back because they're like doing the whole bubble thing, so I don't get to watch as much TV. You watch baseball? Lanier watches baseball. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And it's three hour long games, so because it's baseball. <laughs> That's why I don't watch sports. No, <laughs> anyway, what are you watching? Um, well, like I also did a community rewatch. Um, uh, it's still funny. It's a little bit outdated, but it's still very enjoyable. I'm in the middle of a How I Met Your Mother rewatch. Definitely outdated. It's still funny, but I just kind of really wish that they would apologize for some of their really deplorable jokes. There's some super transphobic shit in that. Yes, like they're, they're super transphobic. Is some really bad stuff in that show, but it is something that I was very into for a long time. So, just wish that they would just go on the record. Not that hard. Um, also I watched Umbrella Academy. I've seen it twice though already. I love that show. I mean, I, I loved the first season. Um, yeah. I've read the comics, like as someone who fucking loves My Chemical Romance, of course I've read the comics since the lead singer of My Chemical Romance did write them. Oh, oh, huh. yeah. So T-I-L. Uh, I love that show. Um, great characters i i do think i like the second season more than i liked the first season but i think it's more of like a characters are already established so you get the meat of them without having to explain anything about them in the second season um i just watched the movie work it on netflix it was really Mm -hmm. cute has a jordan fisher it's like a dance movie i would say it's like a mix between um if you mixed like step up and like bring it on into one movie. Have I told you about this TV show? I watched it's terrible, but I, I like love it in an, it's terrible way. Fuck. What is it called? It's about, it's about a time traveling ballerina from like the 18th or 19th century. No, <laughs> it's never... in a modern dance school. It's like, it's like one of those dance movies where like, you have the the like fancy classical dancer and the modern and the like hip hop dancer and you know it's like the forbidden romance Romeo and Juliet of dance school thing Step up. except for there's time travel <laughs> and it's set in Paris <laughs> I'll have to send you it's it's not good but it's also like because great it's not for when it's great yes yeah like <laughs> You do not have to have any brain power to watch this TV show. It's perfect for, for it's perfect. <laughs> and the last thing that I just finished watching, I actually watched it um, of the recommendation of Olivia Taylor Dudley. She had just watched Normal People on Hulu, and I watched it. It's very good. It's so sad though. <laughs> so keep an open mind. Uh, you will probably cry if you're a crier. It's very very moving it's also very very sexual so i will put that out there if you know you're younger maybe don't watch it (laughs) (laughs) um but it gives a really really amazing look at like mental health um and it takes place in scotland so it's a little bit different than what you're normally going to find on tv cool yeah i'll check it out and with that i think we've come to the end of our show listeners thank you for joining us if you like this episode you can subscribe online wherever you get your podcast and you can follow us on twitter or instagram at nhie underscore podcast 
Never Have I Ever Hosted a Podcast is produced and hosted by Danny Lowry with co-host Clara Shirley Appel. Saxon Ahern is our sound engineer and Lanier Sammons wrote our theme. Mind slide. Obviously Charles Manson cannot be involved. He is dead.